Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas, who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rising Stars. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Robert Clancy. Robert is a successful entrepreneur, inspirational speaker, minister, and author of the acclaimed book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul. At 19, Robert had a profound spiritual experience that greatly altered his life. In 2012, he started the Robert Clancy Guide to the Soul Facebook fan page, which is now followed by a rather impressive quarter of a million people worldwide. On it, he shares divinely inspired thoughts that have now been collected into his second book, Daily Downloads and Fortune Cookies from the Universe. Now, Robert is a passionate supporter of ongoing volunteerism within his business and his everyday life. And he's a great inspiration to others to step up and give back. And that's why I am so thrilled to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Robert. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's a true honor. Oh, Robert, your book was really uh, such a personal and, and you know, a, a gift from a very personal place, um, kind of inspiring people with the notion of um, giving back, stepping up, the many different ways that we can make the world that much brighter for, for us others and in the process for ourselves. How did you come to that worldview? You came to it, a, a, you had some kind of spiritual experience very early on. Tell us what that did for you. Yeah, um, well, the first experience I had was actually at age six, <laughs> and uh, I write about that in the book. It was this uh, wonderful vacation my family took to Jamaica, of all places, and I met this man who introduced himself as Alex the Pool Man. He was the guy who cleaned the pool at the resort we were staying at, and he was probably about, uh, I'd say, 18 to 24 years old, somewhere in there. Um, but it was like, you know, I knew him, you know, we both felt that way. It was like one of those kindred spirits. And he ended up saving my life three times in three different ways on that trip. <laughs> you were bound and determined <laughs> to get into trouble. Yeah. One, I, I was afraid of the water. I didn't know how to swim. And uh, he taught me how to swim. And later that week, I fell in the pool when no one was around. And I probably would have drowned. Mm. And, um, you know, I think about that, that. He taught me this skill, and he was so excited that you know I I learned how to swim that he took me down the beach to his secret shell collection that he used to sell tourists and to support a village that that he kept telling me about. And on the way, I saw this balloon in the water, and I went running for it, and it was a Portuguese man of war, and he ended up getting stung by it, and and I ended up getting the wind knocked out of me because he threw me. Um, as this wrapped around his legs, and he said it would have killed me if it touched me because the poison in it. And I started crying, and I saw the scars on his legs, and he told me about you know how he dives and risks his life to support this village that he comes from. And I begged my parents to let me you know go up there, and they made arrangements, and and I, I ended up going to the village. 
And they treated me as if I was a prince there, mm-hmm. the, the whole village. It was the first time I saw poverty on that level. But it's the other time that I saw that you don't need things to be happy. These children that were there had torn clothes, no toys, and they were the happiest people on the earth. And they were happy to see me. And they made a crown out of palm leaves, placed it on my head, and then <laughs> paraded me around the village and gave me fruit. And I kept telling them, no, I'm just like you. You don't have to do this for me. And, you know, they were just so happy. And when I left there, I asked my parents to give all the clothes that they had purchased for me for this vacation. So I only flew home with the clothes on my back, and I donated them all to that village. Wow, at age age six. six. Yeah. That, I remember reading that chapter, and it was so moving that at that tender age, you, but it, I guess at that age, we're, we're sponges, we're still open, and you, you absorbed that lesson very profoundly. Yeah, I don't think I ever uh, closed the sponge either. <laughs> I'm, still, uh, I'm still open like that, and I, I've traveled the rest of my life with that perspective, and that was given to me, and it was such a gift to have that at that age. And I realized, you know, what these stories that have happened to me, somebody said, you know, you've had these profound experiences and you need to write these down. And what happened was, uh, I, I, after writing this book and hearing from people, they've all had these experiences. They just haven't thought about them as deeply. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's what my book brings out in people. And that was my goal for, for writing it. Explain what you mean by um, Hitchhiker's Guide, the, the hitch moment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the soul hitch is the coined phrase. I, I, I had to think of something because I've had these experiences, and I know we all have, where you meet someone like Alex the Pool Man or just these you know, just chance encounters with somebody, or maybe it's just the way they smiled at you. And I feel like I'm hitching a ride on their soul. And some of these hitches stay with you for the rest of your life. And Alex the Pool Man is, is a hitch I'm still riding, you know, still have my thumb up. I'm still going with, with that. And um, they can change you. They can change your perspective. And you may have one of those days where you're trying to get from point A to point B and you end up at point F. <laughs> and you failed. And uh, there's a reason. And there's always a silver lining. And there's always a greater message. And I don't have coincidences anymore. I have God incidences. That's what I call them because it's always like, at the end, all right, I needed to be here. You know, I missed, uh, you know, like a connection for my flight. And mm-hmm. I ended up in Phoenix. I was really frustrated, as you can imagine. <laughs> 12 hours in the Phoenix airport, <laughs> which I know some people probably slept there too. And they put me on a red eye. And I had this, you know, I was going to get back early. I wanted to, you know, get back home. And somebody, I was posting on Facebook and I was really frustrated. And they said, enjoy the person you're going to meet tonight because they need to speak with you. Wow, and, and I smiled because they were right. And the woman that sat next to me was an aspiring author who didn't know how to publish these beautiful books that are sitting on her computer that are going to help children all around the world. Mm-hmm. And if I had made my connection, I would have never had this conversation. We spent all night talking. We hugged in the airport like we were old friends. And that person was right. So wow. that's a soul hitch. <laughs> <laughs> So you um, actually have have become very intuitive as well. Um, (laughs) How did that develop? Well, (laughs) that's a big 
part. Um, I think that my opening, um, it, I know when it happened because that's my divine experience. And it happened at age 19. I was in college at the time. I was a straight A student up until then. <laughs> I had everything going for me. And my whole life fell apart in like three months. I lost friends to suicide. I had uh, friends get killed in car accidents. My other close friends were all away at different schools all around the country. So my support network was gone. So I thought I worked in this restaurant um, and I, I started drinking. I was mixing prescription drugs with alcohol. I just didn't want to feel anything. Um, my girlfriend had broken up with me and we've been dating since you know I was in 11th grade. And it was just, you know, everything got pulled out from under me. It's like the rug and the whole floor fell out and I was at rock bottom. And luckily the waitress in the restaurant I worked in, she took me aside one night and said, I know what you're doing to yourself and you need to stop. And then she rummaged through her purse, took out this little pamphlet on how to meditate. She told me to put out my hand. She put it in it and she put her hand on top of it and said, this has gotten me through some difficult times in my life and you need to go home and stay out of the bars tonight and learn how to do this. So I did. I was about three hours in on the meditation, and I'm also a very analytical, <laughs> scientific person, so I followed the instructions to the T on how to meditate. <laughs> and uh, So I'm sitting there, it was about three hours in, and I thought I saw a light with whatever they described as your mind's eye. And I opened my eyes, and this light was shining on the wall, and I dropped my shoulders in kind of, oh, <laughs> not, I guess I'm not having an experience, but I thought I was. But I couldn't break the beam of the light, and it unfolded over about 20 minutes. Um, it looked like it was in a hole in the wall. And I did get up and look at it a few times and then it changed shapes and then it just unfolded into like a butterfly unfolds into an angel. And I saw it with my own eyes with my eyes open or closed. Uh, there was no way I couldn't see it. And I know what I saw because it was there for probably about 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, she, I think, kissed me initially, but I never felt anything physical. But I went nose to nose. I actually got cross-eyed. <laughs> That's how close it got to me. And then she backed up and placed the palms of her hands facing me. And I, I believe that she healed me. And at the end, she touched me in the forehead with her index finger. And this was like a ghost-like form. Like it was white, um, translucent. And I closed my eyes and I was plugged into heaven. I was plugged into everything. And it was my, the only way I can describe it to people is it's like, it's a wonderful life. You know, the movie mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. he sees what life is going to be like, when, you know, Jimmy Stewart is, uh, you know, sees life without him. She showed me what life was going to be like with me. Wow. And that was a profound experience. And I, I, I saw that I was going to inspire youth, that I was going to, do all these amazing things and that everything never have fear again never have worry never have doubt and that you're gonna you have a mission you need to go back to your path and there's ripples of kindness and kindness matters and it's all of those things and I lived my life the best I could the key thing with this whole thing story is I never even told my family until about two and a half years ago this happened 30 plus years ago wow. I kept this a secret and on December 1st, 2012 is when I started the Facebook page and I woke up beyond inspired that day and it was almost like there's love math or God math on everything. Everything inspires me and these words just come into me 
um, every morning when I wake up. And you know, here's an example. It's like of all the journeys of life, you'll encounter valleys of despair and mountains of hope. Just know that the heavens are above the valleys and the mountaintops touch them. To reach the summit, you just have to take one hope-filled step past your fear, doubt, and worry. All hearts come in one size, large, makes Jesus filled with love and compassion. And when it overflows with that love and compassion, it will accidentally spill over onto others. And it's endless. I've got, like, <laughs> my head cannot, I don't know if my memory's this good. but So those this, are the fortune this, cookies from the universe. Yes, that's what I call them. <laughs> and it's, um, they're stored as uh, pictures. Like, I'll see visuals. Every time I'm speaking one of these quotes, I see a visual with it. And then it's um, the, the deeper meaning behind it. What, what's can, the website? What, Quick, what's the website? Oh, uh, my website is Guide to the Soul. And the Facebook page is facebook.com slash Guide to the Soul. Guide to the Soul. Wow. Okay. We have to take a break now. But we're speaking with Robert Clancy about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul. And stay with us. We'll be right back. Bringing you the best of the conscious minds in the world. Om Times Radio, your conscious lifestyle on steroids. Free your mind, expand your soul. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Robert, you were telling us about your spiritual experience and that it really molded your your. Um, being in the world, your your sense of the world. You went on to become a very successful entrepreneur. You uh, Tell us how that kind of experience fed into the success. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we started, my wife and I founded Spiral Design Studio, which is a graphic design and marketing firm. And one of the things that we, when we created this, is that whatever we take from the community we felt we should put in three times over and you know we've worked with nonprofits we actually created a uh, a program called um, community by design where we donated a hundred thousand dollars in creative services for a nonprofit to help them rebrand themselves and bring their message out and through that you know just the community the business people and you know, I just had somebody contact me a couple days ago and say, the reason we chose you is because you put so much into the community. Mm -hmm. And that's a great feeling. And so that's how it's really transformed how business is done because business is about community. It's about people. It's never really about business. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's about connecting with people and really helping them with their message. And, you know, each of us have like this superhero component. I view it, you know, we each have a unique talent and how you can bring that to the greater good of humanity. And yeah, it, it's you need to bring abundance in. That's something I learned in my early 20s to be successful. I didn't want to just, uh, I wanted to help the world. So and this wise old man said, yeah, Robert, if you want to be successful and help people, you need to make money to do that. And that's the only way you can. So I suggest you start there and then you can go and help the world. <laughs> so I always kept that to heart. Um, you know, he's since passed, but he's one of my sages that's out there. He looked like Father Time, you know, or mm-hmm. Father Christmas. But that's one of my, um, my our mantras. And, you know, spiral design, it's the only, uh, a spiral is the only shape in nature that as it grows retains its original form. And that's what we really wanted to have with our company is to retain that giving back and, and 
being part of the community to help them. And it's just been a great experience. Uh, we're in our 27th year, so it's it's worked. The models worked. <laughs> so that's how it's uh, shaped me. I've heard it said that people don't so much buy what you do as why you do it. Right. And and it's really that that came back uh, in a big message the other day from a, a very prominent new client that we have. And it's, it's just wonderful to be able to work with them. Mm-hmm. Now, volunteerism has been... I guess the the focus of your uh, service. Uh, what can you say to the listener to encourage them? What are the different ways that people volunteer? It doesn't just mean serving in a soup kitchen, does it? Right, and that's a great question. And yes, it, volunteerism for me starts the second your feet hit the floor after you step out of bed. <laughs> It's your smile. It's a great tool that you carry with you. And how often do we not use it? And bringing that out is like bringing a ray of sun to someone's heart. And you can just, they're contagious. It's the only contagion we need to spread. And when you smile, it starts there. And then it becomes how you thread volunteerism into your everyday life. And I think it's just that part of compassion and a great way, you know, I'm a type AAA personality, I'll tell you. I've got a lot of things going on. I own a martial arts school. I own Spiral Design. I'm an author, speaker, you name it. Um, and I still get eight hours of sleep. Here's the thing. When volunteerism becomes part of your DNA, it becomes part of you, and it doesn't become an extra thing in your life. So let's say you have a passion for photography or biking or whatever. How can you apply that to help other people? Maybe in the down season. If you're a mountain biker, you can run a spinning class for underprivileged children at a local YMCA. If you are into photography, how can you bring that and maybe contribute your services to a nonprofit and do something you love and make a difference at the same time? It's all of those things threaded in. And it doesn't take away from my family because I volunteer with them. Uh, My son's in Boy Scouts and I volunteer at his troop so I can spend more time with him and still make a difference in the lives of other young men that are growing up, you know? I'm very impressed that you still get eight <laughs> hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe seven sometimes. <laughs> um, there was an interesting story that you told somewhere in the book when you mentioned that you have um, black belts in two different types of martial arts um, about the guy who was expressing road rage. Yes. And you could have flattened him, but you chose not to. Yes. And that's another lesson in life. I had my son with me and he was probably about 10 years old at the time. And this guy just was driving erratically, drove off the shoulder of the road and then cut into the side of my car. And I didn't really see it. And I, I was just uh, reacting. I beeped, you know, my, I hit my horn um, out of instinct. And then he starts, you know, doing the uh, one-finger salute and driving his car kind of crazy and pulls up to the light. And he, he start, rolls down his window, and then he jumps out of his car, and he's screaming obscenities at my son and me. <laughs> and I just – I first shut him down in, with verbally. And, you know, the, the key thing with self-defense is don't get out of your car because your car is your protection. And I wasn't blocked, so I'm watching like 10 things at once. I'm looking at the light. I'm looking at who's behind me. I'm looking at, you know, what's he going to do? And then uh, he jumped back in his car, came out. I don't know if he's getting a weapon. I don't know what's going on. I'm ready to just floor it and get out of there. 
And, you know, we pulled up, the light changed, and I, I said, hey, have a nice day. And I, I drove away. Mm. And my son looked at me and he said, dad, that guy was really scary. And I know you could have, you could have taken him out. And he really didn't know, you know, what you know and those things. And, and then he called me all these names and I said, yes, but, you know, we need to take the high road. And it's important to do that. And, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not in control of himself. And uh, the guy was following me for a little while. My son was scared. And he said, you know, he's following me. And um, I said, yeah, but we're driving to the police station if he continues to follow (laughs) me. We both started laughing. And he called my son. He said, you know, what are you trying to do? Show off for your punk son. Those words stuck in my mind. And I turned to my son and I said, did dad show off for you? And he said, yes, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's setting the model and the example. Yeah, we can choose to do a lot of things in life. It's The more martial arts and, and things that I know, I'm a fifth-degree black belt now. I just uh, um, was ranked up recently. And the more that you're trained, the less likely you are to use it because you know you don't need to. And you can rise above all those things. I love empowering people. Uh, through training them and that's one of the the gifts of of teaching this martial art and doing those things so yeah it it was take the high road and that's kind of the metaphor to the road rage too because Mm -hmm. the high road always takes us to heaven (laughs) that's sort of the spirit behind aikido i remember reading uashiba's um works Yes. And it, it, it really is when you when you have the strength you don't you don't go into fear so you right. don't have to use it because you can take the high road knowing that if all fails, yes, you're safe. <laughs> Correct. And, you know, that, that's an interesting metaphor because so many people go into fear and they don't have anything, any reserves to take them out of fear. And that's where everything breaks down. I mean, I've seen relationships break down because of fear. You've seen... Um, you know, anger come out of that or they have nowhere to put it. And that's really one of the key things. And, and living the last uh, 30 years plus of my life without fear or doubt or worry. I mean, I'm still human. You still fall into those things, but I don't let them overtake me. And I think that's the difference. It's mm-hmm. not that I don't experience them. It's that I don't let it rule my life. I suppose having the direct experience of seeing an angel really kind of gets your attention. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and, uh, especially when you're an analytical person who doesn't take the Bible, you know, literally or any of those things. And then my science failed. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I have both now. So I can only describe myself as Spock from Star Trek. I'm, I'm like, I have the human side and I'm, I'm the logic. I got 100 on a logic exam. So that's, that's how logical I am. <laughs> and this made no sense. And so I knew the world and the universe is a, is a lot bigger and a lot more complex than I could ever imagine. And I've just spent the rest of my life from that day forward trying to do the best I can and trying to help guide other people into better paths. And the one thing that I've always been in awe of are people that have faith because I didn't have faith and I still don't. I only have belief now because no, right. my faith is replaced with belief um, 100%. But the people that weren't shown what I was shown and I had to be shown. So I've always felt like 
people with faith um, are just in a special place in my heart. And I don't have words for it because I couldn't be there until after I was shown. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people have had experiences that they would have learned from, except because they didn't know how to categorize them or, or uh, they were outside of the normal frame of reference. They've kind of put them away, tucked them under the rug, not acknowledging them. So when we hear stories like yours, where you actually had this incontrovertible experience and have acknowledged it and have led your life by it successfully, I think that encourages others to go back and revisit their own experiences and be open to the messages the universe wants to give them. Right. Exactly. Well, well I'm afraid we are out of time. Oh, but <laughs> we've been speaking with Robert Clancy, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul, and his website, guidetothesoul.com. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> and thank you for listening. And join us next week on Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Many blessings on your day. Goodbye. <laughs>